Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news on New Mexico United and a little bit of sports talk each and every week. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff, and joining me, as always, is Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. Uh, we are, a, of course, a, a local media outlet here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we do cover New Mexico United as our resident USL championship club. And uh, we're going to sit down. We've got a whole bunch of news to get to this week. Uh, we're going we're gonna to run through the NFL we're going to run through some March Madness. Uh, Major League Baseball opening day is tomorrow as of the time of recording this. Um, we've got USL Championship schedule news. We've got a whole bunch to get to, guys, and uh, we can't wait to get started. Uh, so before we jump into this week's show, I do have one question for you guys. Is it easier for you to repair like one piece or one section of your house or to tear tear down the whole like wall, hit there in a whole room and rebuild from the very bottom. Well, I knew I forgot something last week and I meant to have a question for Earl and (laughs) I I knew something was missing. I just couldn't place what was missing. And that's what it was, was, was one of Seth's glorious opening questions. Um, I guess it depends on the situation, Seth, like, 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 uh, depending on how much, like, if it's a bathroom, you just redo the whole dang bathroom at the one time. Um, if it's a bedroom or if you're like expanding, then it's hard to say. So I guess to answer that question on my part is how much of a mess are you going to make? Is it going to be cleaned up by this, by the, by at least this afternoon or time? And are you going to finish the damn project? All right, two really good answers. The reason I asked this question is, uh, was that Earl? These are all questions that my wife would ask me. <laughs> well, I have a very good reason for uh, for bringing up this question. Uh, this past Saturday, I was a guest once again over on the Sporty SZN podcast. And uh, we the topic of this week's show is the Atlanta Falcons and the rise and fall of them, as well as Matt Ryan. Our buddy uh, Jason. Tear it down. Tear it all down, <laughs> blow it all up, start from scratch. Because <laughs> the NFL draft is, of course, coming up. And so that's kind of why I, why I wanted to mention this. Now, the topic on our show was, the Falcon, was of course, the Falcons. And, Jay, and Jason, of course, is uh, he, he tends to get triggered by Matt Ryan. And people, and he believes that Matt Ryan is not a very good quarterback. You know, I, of course, on the other hand, and as well as the other, other guests on the show, Lewis Charlton, uh, we contended that Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. If you look at his thing, he's Jesus. No, 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 no. He is not Jesus by any means, but he is currently, he currently sits top 10 in the, uh, in all time standing, all time stats of a couple different passing categories and has posted 10 straight years of 4,000 plus yards passing. Something that not even the great Tom Brady has ever done. So that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Calm down, Seth. Calm down. <laughs> and, and so discussion. At the end of the day, how many Super Bowl rings does he have? None so far. None so far. And, and I'm not, exactly. I'm not saying that he is the, the GOAT. I am not saying he's the GOAT, but don't get me wrong there. You know, the discussion, you know, we got to say we're getting to the drafting of what each team needs. Does your team need to do a rebuild or are you just replacing a few support beams? My team just needs to get out of the league. I mean, (laughs) your team needs a new owner. (laughs) That too. But we just need to get out of the league and like never exist again. 
You can go to that new one that has Johnny Mizell and oh the the oh he's been run out of that the fanfare one yeah yeah the FCF fan control well he's actually no longer a part of that I believe since when he I thought he threw a touchdown last week uh I don't I'd have to look double check I saw something that basically said he was run out of that league for not for poor performance so well it is Johnny Menzel so yeah that is true but uh so so I don't know if you know this guys but. My team just won the Super Bowl and then uh, just brought back brought back all 22 starters from that club. So um, I'm feeling pretty confident. Um, it's going to be weird being 17-0 instead of 16-0 uh, at the end of the regular season. But, you know, um, I, I, I don't know what it, what it would be like to tear down uh, such a high-quality team. We'll see in week two when uh, that that 0-2 record hits. So. so I still wouldn't be worried. So I, I think that's perfect to segue to that 17-0 thing. Um, and I'm excited about it. Just to jump your question, Seth, I'm excited about it because the Cowboys can no longer go eight and eight. Eight and nine, baby. Woo. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we will kind of spill it. So the NFL did announce this week they are moving to a 17-game regular season schedule. And this will be in effect until the 2030, uh, 23, at least the 2030 season. Though there are some players grumbling about it and they're not happy about it. This was actually negotiated in the last CBA. And it could have started as early as this season. And I mean, we're five months away basically from the start of the, start of the 2021 NFL season. And so this is coming up. Now... We all know that typically what happens is you get your home and away against your division opponents, and then you play other teams within your within your conference. And then there's usually you know one uh, AFC conference or NFC conference, depending on where your team's at, that you play every year. And so the NFL has already figured out a a formula for who's going to play who this year. And so, in terms of regular season play within the conference, the NFC South faces off against the NFC East. I'm sorry, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't really be too sorry because the Cowboys did come back from like 20 points down to beat you guys. Yeah, that's just one team in the division, though, Earl. It is. You also have to play us. It is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, arguably, the NFC East is the is the weakest division in all of football right now. Some would say um, the least. Yeah, exactly. Um, but in terms of the the 17th game the afc east will play nfc east nfc north will play afc west nfc south will play afc south and nfc west will play afc north teams so is that is because i haven't looked this up so is that based on so like if you win the division you play the winner of that division if you finish second in the division you've played the second place in that division no so the team how does that work the team's already set so i do know the cowboys are playing the Patriots week 17. I know the Packers are playing the Chiefs week 17. Um, I know that the Buccaneers will probably have a bye because somehow Tom Brady can convince the NFL to do that. You know, we're playing the Colts. Once again, they have a bye because they're playing Carson Wentz. So the Chiefs and the Packers won their division. The Cowboys and the Patriots finished third, second, second. Whatever it was. So so the way the schedule is now, you play, like Seth said, you play your your division opponents home and away. 
then you play one conference or one other division inside your conference. You play all four teams. One division in the other opposite conference, you play all four teams. And then your other two games were in your division. So like for Tampa Bay, it was if we played the NFC East, then the NFC North, we would play whoever finished first, second, or third, wherever we finished. So we finished second. So we play the second division, second place team in the NFC North and the second place team in the NFC West. Yeah. So is that what that sounds like what they're doing for the 17th game? That's that's what it looks like. I don't know if we have proof on that because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, it's just okay. So the South is going to play the the AFC South. The NFC South is going to play the AFC South. We're just going to draw names and see who plays who. But I, I don't think they would do it that way. ESPN actually has a breakdown of who's playing who. And the other thing that this new unbalanced schedule brings up is that you're going to have some teams playing nine home games and other teams only playing eight, eight home games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, while I'm pulling this up, do you think that that causes any issues in the scheduling, Earl? No, I don't think it causes issues because eventually they're going to have to pay that one back. So if they play nine home games this season, next season they'll probably play eight. Yeah, so yeah, it it will actually rotate between the clubs, uh, between the teams, who who has the nine and seven every year. Uh, so it will ultimately balance out. Jacob, is there any sort of additional home field advantage there for the for these teams that are getting nine? Yeah, I think especially if you look at so last year we can't really look at that because there weren't any fans and it was kind of strange. But like you look at Seattle, um, or trying to think of who else has like legit home field advantage. I know there's some other ones out there. I just, I'm trying to blink. So I'll just, yeah, Kansas city. So, so I use Kansas city as an example. Um, well, no, I'll use Seattle because Kansas city is just good. So they're no matter where they play, it's, they have a better than better chance of winning that game than losing. And in most of them, Seattle, we're kind of, it's 50, 50 on what, what they're going to do. And so if they're fighting to make the playoffs and they go, if they've got that extra home game, Whereas they're fighting a team like, we'll we'll make since we're in the land of make believe, we'll say the Cowboys. They've got eight games at home instead of nine. I could see it playing a, a pretty big part in who makes the playoffs in that last spot. But we'll see. It's kind of like the the seven and nine team making the playoffs. It doesn't happen very often, and when it happens, everybody throws a fit. But then they realize, oh, it only happens once every seven years. So they don't really worry about it after a while. I think what we're going to see is an 18 game schedule with two bye weeks eventually. Yeah. The article on ESPN does talk about that. Now the CBA that's in effect now does prevent that until at least the 2031 season, unless the players decide to reopen the CBA between now and then, and it could potentially be renegotiated, but yeah, it's going to be at least 2031 before we see that. I know with the way the players feel right now about 17 games, I can't imagine going to an 18th regular season game. I did get that article to load. So the Dallas Cowboys for their 17th game would get the Patriots. Uh, the Falcons would get uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that sounds, sounds like they're doing it the way that they do the other games too. Yeah. And then the Bucks would get the Colts. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. So, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, like I said, the NFC South gets the AFC East. So 
you've got the South playing, uh, you know, home and away against everyone else there. And then you've got Patriots, the Jets, the Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, New York Giants, Cowboys, Detroit, Philly. I mean, NFC South could be brutal this year. You may see three nine-win teams coming out of there. I was trying to figure out what you were saying there because I was like, that's like the easiest schedule out there right now is the NFC East and then the AFC East. Like that, the Bills, maybe the Patriots, depending on what they do at quarterback, maybe the Dolphins if Tua actually does something. But And then maybe the Jets if Trevor Lawrence is as amazing as, well, never mind, Lawrence is going to the Jags. Um, depending on what the Jets do at, at quarterback in the draft. But it's still going to be a pretty easy schedule, I think. I think the Jets go for that that, get, that kid from uh, BYU, the one that you were saying a couple weeks back. Zach Wilson? I no, I'm, I, I, I'm riding hard for Justin Fields this draft for sure. So, But I'm sure when the draft gets closer or right after the draft, we'll talk about the draft, so I'm not going to go all deep dive on that. I will say that the 17, I don't, it's a week more of football, so I'm not super opposed to it. It poses competitive balance problems, but at the same time, the NFL schedule has always been kind of unbalanced because you play, everybody plays different schedules. Nobody plays the same exact teams. Um, but I, I think if I'm a player, if I'm an NFL player and they're pushing for 17 games, and you still just keep the one bye week. If they came to me and said, "Hey, let's play an eighteen game schedule and give you two bye weeks," I'm looking at that going. It sounds better than seventeen and one to me, um, and everybody gets more revenue, which theoretically would mean more money for the players. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that, especially if it's you know five ten years down the line where we've been playing 17 game schedules for a while, it's never going to go back to 16. So you might as well take the extra bye week and move up to 18. Yeah. You said something there that's important to note too, that it is a one extra week of football. You know, they're not starting it sooner. They're everything. The league is still starting, you know, in September, like it always does. It's just gonna be one extra week, like in December uh, with football. And then the Super Bowl is going to move a week later as well. Uh, I imagine they're, they're going to do the same thing for the playoffs, just push everything back a week. And so the Super Bowl now is going to be on February 13th in 2022. Um, and, you know, I think this is all just part of the NFL's plan to basically dominate the the sports calendar year round. You know, we've got the draft in April, and then you're going to have, you know, the summer practices and stuff once that gets going. And then in September you know, or August, you're going to have preseason, regular season starting in September, and football all the way up through, up through February. I mean, what more does the NFL have to do to, to fully take over a 12-month calendar? They have to not be douchebags, honestly. Like, the the best part of, of off-seasons is player movement and trades and free agent signings and stuff like that. And you don't see that near as much in the NFL as you do, like, the NBA uh, these big names moving. And I think it's because of lack of guaranteed contracts. Just the, the money structure in the NFL 
is just strange to me. It's the most violent sport, violent professional sport, maybe besides hockey, that is out there. And yet these guys, they're getting, most of them are getting guaranteed money now, but I don't know. It's strange. And I followed the NFL free agency for like three days, four days. And then now that everybody's signed, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'll wake me up when the draft comes as far as football is concerned. All right, let's move right along. Speaking of opening days and seasons starting, Major League Baseball's opening day is tomorrow, April 1st. A whole bunch of games on tap for tomorrow. I know that my Braves uh, kick off their season at uh, 1.05 p.m. Mountain Time tomorrow against the Philadelphia Phillies. It's going to be a long, interesting season. We're back to regular baseball, regular season schedule, full 162 games. This is going to be fun, at least for me anyway. I know, Jacob, you're not a huge fan, but Earl's a baseball fan, and uh, you know he's got his Cubs shirt on there. And and I, I got to say, you know, I once dated a girl who was a Cubs fan, and so I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to straighten something out here, okay? I'm a giant baseball fan. I Baseball was my favorite sport to play. It was my favorite sport to watch. It, it's... I thought you liked the Rocky. I do. And that's the problem. So that's I'm not out on baseball right now. I'm just out on Major League Baseball opening day. I'm not nearly as excited as you guys are. I will watch plenty of baseball this season. I plan on going to several Isotopes games as long as I can. It's just opening day just hits, hits a little bit differently when your team trades away their best player for a package of peanuts and a urinal cake. It probably doesn't help the fact that you're that you're facing Clayton Kershaw opening day either. Yeah, and then they put us against the Dodgers on ESPN, so everybody can see how shitty we are. It's like, what are you guys doing? I hope we win that game just so that like my season can peak on day one, and then I know it'll just go downhill from there. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm not getting my hopes up for anything anymore. I'm sorry. Have you won a World Series? Yes, you have. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> It only took like 200 years. Better than never winning one. More recently than uh, either of our teams. So Yeah. We've never won one. Never. Ever. None. No championships for us. Zero. Made it to the World Series once only to get swept. Yeah. So 162 games. It's going to be a lot of fun. The DH is gone this year, at least from the National League. Uh, So rule changes. They're, They're still doing the extra innings thing where you put a runner on second. There's some other rule changes that they are testing down in the minor leagues, which will be interesting to see what what comes of those. But uh, all right. Eve of opening day predictions. What happens? I have one question. Who's on first? What's on second? There we go. I'm glad somebody got it. (laughs) I was waiting to see if Earl would uh, have that one there. Earl's computer is running on Vista, so we're just just a little behind. I I think this is going to appease, I think maybe both of you, but definitely Seth. I think the Braves win the title this year. Um, of course, this is coming from no, somebody who knows nothing other than the Rockies don't know how to run a, man, or a Major League Baseball team. But uh, I, I like what they have. I like Freeman. I like Acuna. Uh, I don't know your pitching staff very well, which probably should be something I check into before I make this predicament or prediction. But um, I, I think you'll get enough there. 
because we know the Dodgers choke. We know the Cubs aren't making it. Um, the Cardinals maybe, but we'll see. My early prediction is the Astros win it all. The Astros, really? If either of these things happen, we need to clip this and put it into the podcast right after the World Series. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. A lot of talented teams. You know, you mentioned the Braves and their pitching staff. We've got some young arms, uh, Mike Soroka, Max Freed. It's uh, it's an interesting team to say the least. You know, we brought, of course, we do we do have uh, Freddie and Ronald, and we brought back Marcelo Zuna for another season, which is fantastic. A lot of depth there. We got some great, uh, great young players coming through the through the system. So, well, here's here's what you do, Seth. If you guys need pitching, have your GM call the Rockies <laughs> and offer a pack of cigarettes for Herman Marquez and a dozen donuts for Kyle Freeland. And then everybody will be happy except for Rockies fans. Wait, a dozen donuts? (laughs) Yeah, Kyle Freeland's pretty good. He's pretty good. I wouldn't take half a dozen. Do we need to go back to the whole Nolan Arenado for a pack of peanuts? Yeah, but see, I think they're smarter now. Not much. Not a lot. But they're like, well... We can't give away these guys for what we gave Nolan away for. We got to get more than that because otherwise the fans will be very mad. So they'll take one donut and a $5 gift card. Probably. That's two things for one thing. (laughs) Maybe. What about this? What about a dozen half-eaten donuts? Fair enough. That's just as bad as a $5 gift card. And we'll give you both Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland. Man, that's a good deal. Done. Shake on it. Sign me up. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly how the Nolan Arenado trade happened. That conversation (laughs) right there. Yeah, I I can't contest that. I have no facts to dispute it in any way. Why why do we have to bring up baseball? Now I'm furious all over again, guys. Like, I want to throw my computer. Well, we can go back to our job. We We want to trigger you. At least I wouldn't be mad. I would just be confused. <laughs> oh, oh man. Just so everybody knows that's out there listening, and for you too, my only goal on this podcast each and every week is to have Earl grab his face and laugh into his hands. That's If I can do that a dozen times a podcast, I had a great podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, handcuffed myself. I think we're just about there already. <laughs> I've also been scratching my face a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yankees, Dodgers cards are all going to be tough. Um, Braves are going to have a good team. As as much as I hate to say it, I, I'm rooting for the Yankees just ever so slightly. Can't do it. No. I don't want to. Trust me. But they're they're not the Yankees of old. They... They have good homegrown young talent, which I guess the Yankees of old did too. But I have to root for them a little bit because I was freaking out when the Rockies wouldn't sign, re-sign DJ LeMahieu. And then he went to the Yankees for a bunch of money and everybody was like, why'd they pay him that much money? He just was a product of Coors Field. And then what does he do? Freaking rakes and rakes and rakes for the Yankees for three years. He's going to freaking... He was an MVP candidate last year. That's how freaking good he is. And that's just with the bat last year. Defensively, he's fantastic too. 
Can we talk about how the Texas Rangers are about to open up a new stadium? Yeah, at no capacity or no restrictions on the capacity. 100%. I, fuck it. I'm for it. I don't care. <laughs> Just Texas, you do you. You do you, boo boo. I hope they win a World Series this year in their new stadium. They're not going to win a World Series. Have you watched the Rangers play the last few years? Hey, hey, I'm a Cubs fan, so I could dream. You do every day, buddy. You do every day. The good thing about me being a Cubs fan is I still have like, uh, like ninety eight more years until they win the next one. But they've won one, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> tell me. It's gonna be another hundred and two years until they win the next one. So I'm gonna hang out for another ninety eight. That'll that'll make the next one so much sweeter, though. And that's why I'm waiting patiently. Uh, so just before we went on air, there were there was some breaking news in the in Major League Baseball. Um, in a previous episode, we talked about the contracts of players like Fernando Tatis and some other guys like that. Francisco Lindor has signed a 10-year, $341 million deal with the New York Mets. Highest ever paid shortstop in Major League Baseball history. And the third highest contract ever. Are, are contracts out of control? Is this guy worth $341 million? I am looking at that breaking news. And it was an hour ago now, so 9.30. Um, right before that, I remember looking at my phone, and it's still on my – it's still there. Maybe you guys can see it. Mets and Lindor, still yeah. not close. But you have to <laughs> a freaking contract like two seconds later. That's, that's reporting for you. <laughs> Seth, to answer your question, if they paid him that much money, apparently he's worth it. I'm not a Lindor guy. I think he's a good shortstop, a, maybe even a great shortstop, but not greatest of all time money worth shortstop. But what I've learned about the open market, especially in sports, is you're worth what, you, what you're what you paid. Like There might be people that disagree with it, and he might not perform up to that level. But when he signed, that was apparently the going rate for him. I think it's way too much money for him. I think the Mets will regret it eventually, but hey, if I'm Francisco Lindor or I'm another player, I'm looking at that going, yeah, it's payday. Because I look at like Trevor Story, the Rockies shortstop, who's a fantastic shortstop. He's, I think this was his last year of arbitration. So next year he will hit the open market. And he's looking at this going, I might not get that money, but what I'm going to get just went up because of that deal. Yeah. And that's what happens when you have guys sign these monster contracts is that anyone else that's, you know, even remotely close to them talent wise, production wise, even, you know, they're, they're going to get paid. And so I think a byproduct of all that is, you know, ticket prices go up in, in some instances and that that's negative for the fans. But if it puts your team in a better position to potentially win the world series, I mean, you have to think that's a that's a fair trade off, right? Yeah, except the Mets aren't going to win a World Series. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Coming out of the NL East, it's not going to happen. So, but uh, yeah, congratulations, Francisco Lindor. Fantastic deal for him. Get your money and uh, move on with your life. Have a have a fantastic rest of your life on that three hundred forty one million dollars. While we're congratulating people, and congratulations to Earl Nieto who it appears is going to win our NCAA bracket challenge this year. I know Earl, you're upset that you don't have a perfect bracket, but uh, 
it doesn't look like there's any way that I'm going to be able to overtake you here in the final three games of the season. So congratulations to you. How do you feel? I feel stupid because I didn't pick UCLA. (laughs) First of all, can we talk about that gorgeous segue? We didn't have those last week, Seth. No, I was just, I was just going. I was just going. Okay, we're done with this topic, guys. Let's move on to this topic. That was my segue. So, bravo on that smooth segue. Um, <laughs> second of all, Earl, you're gonna win. Be happy. Nobody picked UCLA. Nobody picked Oral Roberts. Hey, 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 hey! I almost want a beer off of Oral Roberts. So I, I bet my colleague in, in my office, my coworker. Um, so we, I'm pretty sure you told this on the store on the podcast last week. Yeah. And uh, and I was one one three pointer away from winning a beer for the first time ever from this guy. And you didn't. And March Madness happened. I mean, first of all, you know, thank you guys obviously for doing the show last week. You guys did a fantastic job. The show was great. Um, I enjoyed listening to it. Sure. Uh, anyone listening? No, it was. It was really. It was a really good show. It was a really good conversation. We you had guys, fun doing it. I know that. You much. guys did a great job. So appreciate you guys stepping up. I of course was out of town. Earl, you mentioned you know you didn't pick UCLA. I know when we talked about our picks on the podcast. Podcast. I thought it was going to be uh, Michigan State going over UCLA, but if you look at the tournament selector app, tournament bracket challenge app. You pick the winner of that 11 11, you know, first round match and automatically picks the winner. So it, it stuck UCLA in my bracket, even though I, you know, I personally thought it was going to be Michigan State. So I had UCLA going to the round of 32. <laughs> but so yeah, final four is set Gonzaga, UCLA, uh, Baylor, Houston. I believe this is, this might be the first time in history that an 11 seed has gone to the final four. I could be, no. It's okay. the highest <clears throat> seed or the, it it is the the highest seed to make the final four, but it has happened at least three other times. I want to say I know two for sure. I know VCU. No, no, three. Uh, Laloya Mar- or Laloya Chicago. The f- three years ago, they were an eleven seed. VCU was an eleven seed, and George Mason was an eleven seed um, back you know, when I was in high school. So it has happened, but. Um, Nobody seated 12, 13 or more have made it, has made it. Okay. So yeah, that brings our, uh, our final four. Again, Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, Houston. I had Gonzaga, Baylor and Houston all making it. Earl, I believe you had those three as well, but you also, I think you also had, uh, you had Michigan going to the final four and then Jacob. Let's not, uh, let's, we're, we're just not. Let's. <laughs> Jacob, you had Gonzaga, Alabama, and Baylor, Illinois. So you had two of four. Can't fault you there. So not terrible. I mean, we all still have our champion in play. But yeah, Earl is Earl's gonna no matter I think no matter what happens, Earl's gonna edge me out here. I did not finish last though. I don't that know how, true. but I did not finish last. Earl, who is the other person? So the other person is someone I used to work in the office with. Um, I go to church with his mom. He's a really good friend of mine, actually. Uh, well, he doesn't know anything about college basketball, apparently, because I don't know anything, and I finished above him. He was super upset on pretty much every pick. Like, he had, looking at his bracket, he had Gonzaga beating North Fork, but he had Oklahoma going, like, super deep into it. Yeah, that's that, that's how I know he doesn't know anything about college basketball, because 
this Gonzaga team is probably the best college basketball team I've ever watched. <laughs> and we all three had them winning it all. And I don't see a world where they don't win it all. So I'm almost ready to change my pick though. I I'm almost willing to say somehow, some way that UCLA beats Gonzaga. I wouldn't put it past them at this point. Can I put, can I bet both of you a beer? Gonzaga's going to smash them. I, here, here's the bet, Earl. Here's the bet. Okay. Oh, I'm a sucker for these damn things. I will spot you 10 points. So all UCLA has to do is win or lose by less than 10, and I will buy you a beer. Deal. But if Gonzaga wins by more than 10, you I, buy I a beer. Deal. Okay. Done. Seth, you want in on this? I, I'm taking Gonzaga. I mean, I. Okay. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past UCLA to win, but I I truly believe that Gonzaga is a better team, and yeah, they've just they've shown no real weakness. Ten point spread, yeah, that's a big deal. I was pulling for less than ten, so we're good there. I mean, Gonzaga beat USC by nineteen. They beat Creighton by eighteen. They beat Oklahoma guys, by sixteen. Guys, they haven't lost by they haven't won by less than ten all season. All 31 of their games, they've won by more than double digits. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Gonzaga just beating people up. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, I think it's, I think if we do get the Gonzaga-Baylor that we all think is going to happen, I, I think that's going to be a fantastic game to see right there. Um, so the, the line, the, the actual line is 14 points. So I shorted you four points, Earl, but I'm not going to change it. You, you took the bet at 10. I'm leaving it at 10. That's fine. That's fine. I watched hey. I watched both the USC Gonzaga game and the UCLA Michigan game. And after watching both of those games, to think that Gonzaga isn't going to win by 20 is insane to me. Because UCLA and Michigan played... I don't even know if it was basketball. It was terrible. Looking back at this tournament, has it been... Obviously, there have been a number of upsets. Has this been one of the more interesting tournaments that you've seen? This has been one of the most frustrating tournaments I've ever been a part of. Yeah, I will second that. Um, it is by far the worst bracket I've ever filled out. I don't think that's necessarily indicative of how crazy the tournament has been. I think it's more indicative of I just didn't know anything other than Gonzaga was really good going into it. But I think if you look at the final four that we get, it's not it's not a shocker. Like UCLA is an eleven seed, but they have incredible talent. They just didn't put it together during the regular season. And it just so happens that it meshes well now. And then you look at Baylor and Gonzaga, who have been the top two teams all year, basically. And then you have a Houston team that was good, but if you look at their bracket, if you look at their region, they have not beaten a single-digit seed. They're the first team ever to make it to the Final Four without beating a single-digit seed because they played Rutgers, the 10 seed. They played Oregon State just now, and then I don't remember who else they played, but they were all double-digit seeds, which is insane that that even is possible. But So they haven't been tested but they're they're probably the best team to come out of that group. I, I would like to see Illinois, obviously, because I had them in my title game, but whatever. 
But I, I do think at the end of the year, we're going to get Baylor Gonzaga. And those were the two best teams all season and probably should be in the championship. So I don't think it's going to be too crazy necessarily. I think of like the Yukon when uh, Kimball Walker took Yukon on a crazy run and they won the title as like an eight seed or something like that. Like that's bonkers. That's, that's wild. Um, so this one, especially if Gonzaga ends up winning it, no matter what happened and all the craziness that always kind of happens, I think, I think people just forgot it because we didn't have it last year. So it's like, Oh my gosh, this tournament's so crazy, but they're, they forget two years ago was probably close to the same thing. One final question on this topic before we move on, Earl. I was listening to a local radio station today, 94.9 KNML, and they were talking about how with all the COVID issues this year, with some teams having to stop for periods of time, you know, two weeks at a time, 20, you know, three weeks at a time, whatever the case may be, that we didn't necessarily see how well all these teams could perform throughout the season. And, you know, it wasn't until they were finally able to get back into like a regular rhythm of play that they finally started to gel. Do you think that's why we saw such a upset laden tournament this year? No, no, I've watched March madness forever. And it, there's always four, maybe five teams that are just bound for the upset. Uh, this year it was Loyola Chicago. Again, it was oral Roberts again. And UCLA is just surprising for me. Um, but no, I don't think COVID and shutdowns and stuff like that had anything to do with it. Um, I think it was just crazy March Madness again. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like we haven't seen anything that's happened before. I mean, we've seen a 15 seed make the Sweet 16 uh, when Florida Gulf Coast did it several years ago. We've seen an 11 seed make the Final Four, like I just described. We saw that three years ago when Loyal Chicago did it. Um, we've seen two seeds get knocked out right away. We've seen one seeds get knocked out in the second round. Hell, we've seen a one seed lose in the first round now. Um, so maybe we haven't seen all those things happen in one tournament, but we've seen several of them happen in one tournament. So I'm not... I'm not going to say it's the craziest tournament, especially if Gonzaga ends up winning it all. I, I think even if it's a regular year without COVID and the teams are all the same, Gonzaga is hands and feet above everybody else. So uh, as long as we get the right champion, whether it's Gonzaga or Baylor, um, then I think you can't look at this with an asterisk or anything like that. All right. So uh, there you have it, guys. Great tournament. March Madness. I know we were all excited for it to be back. Uh, we've been watching, uh, trying to watch as much basketball as we could over the past few weeks. And uh, we've still got three more games left this season. And uh, we'll see what happens here over the weekend with the Final Four. And I believe on Monday night with, uh, with the championship final. So exciting games. We're going to be waiting with bated breath to see if Gonzaga becomes uh, that team to finish the entire season undefeated, uh, super exciting, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So. All right, guys, let's move right along. We've got New Mexico United news coming up next. It's been a couple weeks since we really you know, had anything significant to announce, but over the past few weeks or so, we've had some new signings to the Academy. First up, we've got three new uh, kids signed to the Academy. Gael Alexandra Pena was signed from uh, Las Cruces High, New Mexico Rush, and Atrisco Heritage. 
And we also have the signing of Andres Vela Signs, who was the 15th Academy signing. And then the most recent signing was, and my web page decided to take a second to load here, uh, Josiah Henderson. Uh, Josiah is out, uh, I believe, New Mexico Rush as well and Albuquerque High School. Josiah was also a, a keeper. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Okay. So yeah, three more signings for the club. Uh, absolutely fantastic. The club, the academy team is really rounding out here. That's what, 16, 15, 16 signings already for the for the academy. Those guys are looking good. Can't wait to see them in action. And then the other signing that was announced by the club well, was more of a hiring. The club has added Lucian Starzinski as head academy, academy scout. Starzinski is an Albuquerque native and a UNM grad. Another tie there to the, to the local scene has coached youth soccer and has won titles here in the state over the past two decades. So Seth, not to, not to interrupt you, but the club signed four Academy kids. Four. Okay. I was going off the, off the club's website and I only saw the three. They signed one, I think today, 12 hours ago. So yeah, today, um, Evan Kowalski. That's right. They did sign that. I did see that one earlier today. Uh, so I do apologize. It was right, not on the club's keeper. website. And he's also a keeper. Volcano Vista played for New Mexico Rush. 17 years old. 17 years old. I'm just trying to go through all the information real quick. But yeah, so there was the fourth one today. Okay. So yeah, that's that's where the that's where I was getting the keeper information from. So that's 17 signings for the academy now. I, th- I believe that's three keepers, as is what that club said. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and then uh, Lucian Starzinski back to him. He coached at Albuquerque High School for a dozen years. He had was in made it to the state title game in five of the last six seasons, and he had three state championships there with Albuquerque High. I think this is a fantastic signing here. Serzinski also has his USSF B coaching license, um, and he's been coaching throughout the state uh, at various different levels. Uh, so this, I think, this is fantastic. This is someone who's really been integrated with the youth scene here. And really has his eye on what the youth soccer clubs are doing in and around the metro area, around the state, both at the high school level and as and in those youth leagues. How big of a deal do you think this this uh, hiring is for them? Um, I don't really know much about him, <laughs> so I, I mean, if it's for scouting and for him to find great talent in New Mexico, then yeah, it's a great signing. But I'm gonna go back to what I just said and. I don't know much about him. Yeah, I, we've talked about it with all these academy signings, whether it's players or coaches or anything like that. We don't know much about any of them, uh, just because it's not it's not something that we can like pick up the paper and read about all these players. Um, but I got the email from the club when they announced um, the new scout and looking at his resume and looking at what he's going to be doing. It seems to fit hand in hand. I mean, he's been in youth soccer and the the high school ranks for like you said a dozen years and coached all over the place and knows knows the talent in New Mexico I think better than probably anybody else uh, so so I think it's a great hire for that position and I'm really excited to see what this academy uh, situation turns into I, I hope they can get some games played this year I hope that um, we can see some. Uh, of the two-way contract. I don't know what exactly you call it. I forget the exact name, but the two-way, I'm going to call them two-way contracts. Um, 
like Aiden and um, Speedy and another one that I can't think of right now. Um, you know, I, I'm excited for to see them. Uh, we talked about it when Earl was or for the first uh, the first preseason game. I thought Aiden Simmelsberger was fantastic. So um, I, this young talent in New Mexico and molding it to play for New Mexico United and hopefully beyond that uh, is super exciting to me. And anybody that they bring on board to help find these players, coach these players, be these players, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm excited for it. And, and I trust that they are doing their research on these kids. So if they sign somebody, I'm going to assume that this kid is going to be a big deal because they took the time to find him and, and bring him along. So I can't wait for that. So Jacob, of course, was referring to the academy contracts, uh, yeah. which allow the uh, the academy signees to not only participate in the at the academy level, but also play with the first team. Uh, there have been three of those so far who have signed those those, those academy contracts, which are specific to the USL. Uh, now. The majority of the players are are just assigned to the academy itself. They're not actually on professional contracts, so those players are just getting, they're basically just getting scholarships to to play for the academy and continue to work uh, under the club, work with the first team, work with the the academy coaches there, uh, but not actually play with the first team in like Open Cup or USL league play. So. Yeah, fantastic signings. Um, again, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see a few more signings there as we get closer to the academy season starting, uh, whenever that may be. And it's gonna be exciting to see how they develop in the coming weeks, uh, months, and years. And now the big news, the one that we've all been waiting months for. We've been waiting for this since October of last year. The USL Championship finally announced the full thirty, the full league schedule for all thirty-two teams, and. Uh, prior to that, we had learned that New Mexico United's home opener would, of course, be May 15th against Austin Bold. But now we have the full schedule here. And do, we'll do a quick rundown. Saturday, May 1st, Rio Grande uh, RGV. Uh, Saturday, May 8th, El Paso. Saturday, May 15th at home, of course, Austin Bold. And then we're away again on May 21st at Colorado Springs. Then we get Loudoun United FC at home on May 29th. Uh, away at uh, Real Monarchs on June 4th. Then we're home for two in a row for against Austin Bold and San Antonio. Then we've got uh, a brief road trip here, three matches within uh, two weeks. Uh, Colorado Springs, Real Monarchs, and El Paso. Two at home, um, Colorado Springs switchbacks. And then we welcome Charleston Battery. Monday night football, Monday, July 12th. That is, of course, Troy's old team out there. And then we have away San Antonio FC, July 21st. Home at Paso, Saturday, July 24th. Sunday, August 1st, away to Tacoma. Then we have two more at home, El Paso Locomotive and Oakland Roots SC. That's August 14th and 18th. Two more away, Austin Bowl and Phoenix Rising. Home to Colorado Springs, away to Austin Bold, two at home, Real Monarchs and RGV, then two more ways, San Antonio FC and Louisville City FC. Then back for two more at home, Hartford Athletic and Rio Grande Valley, of course, now into October. Away to San Diego, home versus San Antonio, away to Rio Grande, and then we finish out the regular season at the lab against Real Monarchs SLC. Guys, I mean, this is a super exciting schedule, super exciting news. Um, if you are new to New Mexico United, or even if you're a, if you're 
you've been a follower of the club. You know, there's some new names in that schedule right there. Earl, what was your first take when this schedule dropped? I believe it was yesterday, day before, yesterday. Uh, I was excited to see a whole bunch of Eastern teams that we would never play unless it was the playoffs. Um, I was excited to see them come to the lab. Um, I'm looking forward to us going to Lou City and seeing what we can do out there. Um, I am really looking forward to beating Phoenix in their home stadium opener, whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the season and the fact that there will be 30 something games for the foreseeable future. Um, I can now myself as a bachelor single until at least November. <laughs> Yeah, I think you look at the the eight non-division games and I don't know if I could have scheduled a better group of teams. Um, like, I, I don't think I could have handpicked it better than what they did for the most part. Um, I, I was very surprised to see that many Eastern Conference games. Um, I expected one, maybe two, but to have four, um, including going to Lou City, and having Charleston come here. Um, and then we, we get to see Sammy Sergi again. Uh, he'll actually experience it at the lab um, just for the wrong club. So so that I, I was real happy with. I, I thought it was very cool that they got him to announce it. Um, just like I thought it was very cool to have our very own Earl Nieto announce a game. Um when they when the I, I thought the whole concept of their release was awesome um so I, I don't think i could you look at other than seeing teams four times which is going to get old quick but other than that aspect of it earl touched on it we've got loudon hartford loose city charleston tacoma phoenix oakland we get to welcome Ben Bowery and Salim Mohammed back, um, and then San Diego. So we've got those four clubs that are in the other Western Conference, the other Western Division, and two of them are projected to be at or near the top of that. So we will have a very good test to see where we stack up. Not again, not only against our group, but also the rest of the Western Conference and some of the Eastern Conference. So I'm really excited about that. I think the test um, will be Lou City. Yeah, I, I I think that'll be great to see how we stack up against the East too, but I'm, I'm more concerned about getting through the Western Conference playoffs and knowing that we can play with the likes of San Diego and Phoenix um, and then see if Lou City makes it. Um, so it's not so much because uh, I I think Lou City is going to be really good. I think when you look at the USL championship as a whole, as much as we hate to say it, it starts with Phoenix. Since we've been in the league, Phoenix has been the club. So I know they didn't win the cup the first year or make it to the make it far in the playoffs, but they won 20 games in a row. Guys, it it they're they are the they are here 
and everybody else is just a, a a tiny bit below them to way below them, depending on who you are looking at you, Tacoma. Um, so to play Phoenix in Phoenix, to play San Diego in San Diego, to play Lou City in Lou City, those are, I think, our three toughest games on the schedule. They're all away. And if we can win one of those, I will be happy as long as the other two aren't like complete blowouts. So I'm not a, we'll see what the clubs look like as we get closer. Cause who knows injuries, just chemistry in general, you know, Phoenix might not be as good this year as they were last year or the year before. We don't know. But at the moment you look at the rosters and you look at the past history and you say San Diego got better. Phoenix has been great. Lou city has been great. And we get to play all three of those on the road. They're going to be great tests. I think you're going to see a lot of beating up on each other inside the group. So I'm really looking at those outside matches to both make a push for the playoffs and possibly win this group. And also to see where we stack up against the rest of the highest caliber teams in this league. My initial reaction to the, to the schedule drop was, Hey, we don't have to be away for a month or more. We have home games. And so I think those are the things, first of all, stood out to me, you know, as we all know in our inaugural season, there was a period where the club was gone for seven weeks, eight weeks, something yeah. like that. Two months. Uh, basically. Inclu- yeah. Basically two months, including open cup play. So I think this is a very balanced schedule in that, in that aspect. It also gives us an opportunity. Like you, like you guys said, we get to see some Eastern conference clubs that we haven't really seen. We've never seen in action, you know, like in person. And the fact that most of our non-conference matches I mean, we've got Charleston coming in, Loudoun coming in, Oakland, of course, a new club, Hartford coming in. Huge matches there. You mentioned Sammy Sergi coming back with Loudoun. You've got Ben and Salih coming back with, with Oakland. Those are going to be big matches. You know, I can't wait to see the, the welcome that those guys get at the lab when, when they come in. I mean, looking at these non-conference games alone, Charleston finished second in their in their division last year. Hartford won their division. Lou City won their division. Phoenix won their division. Loyal finished just outside the playoffs. We all know what happened there. Why, why Loyal finished outside the playoffs. So, I mean, these are very tough matches just on paper based on what they did last year. And I think this gives us an opportunity and, you know, we'll try to reach out to see if there are other pods for, for these clubs and, and try to reach out and talk to them a little bit, at least, you know, Blue city, Hartford, Loudon, Charleston, those guys loyal. I think we know what's going on over there. But I would love to talk to these clubs, you know, and get to talk to the, to get to talking to some of their supporters to find out, you know, the history of the clubs, like what they did, what their expectations are, like what players we should be watching for, because I think that's going to help us get an idea, a better idea of, you know, what we should be looking for when we watch these guys play, you know, looking at the schedule from last year. I mean, Lucy made it to the Eastern conference semifinals, Charleston made it to the, uh, I'm sorry, Louisville made it to the conference finals. Charleston made it to the semis. Hartford lost to St. Louis FC in the conference quarterfinals. So all very good clubs from last year. And you you guys hit the nail on the head. Like, honestly, last year we struggled for content talking about these same four teams over and over and over again. Now, yes, we're still playing teams four times, but, you know, now we have austin now we've got san antonio now we're actually going to get to see ron and rgv um 
you know, this year. I think it's going to be fantastic to see these clubs. I think the way the schedule set up for, for us from a media perspective, covering the clubs and getting content and things like that put together, it kind of breaks it up a little bit. Because, you know, at, at times last year, we had Colorado Springs back-to-back or El Paso back-to-back, you know? And that, to me at least, made it hard to prepare for stuff like that because by the time, fourth time you do it, it's like, all right, we've been playing the same four guys you know, over and over again. There's nothing new. So I think this gives us a better opportunity to see how they perform against different clubs, how we perform against different clubs. And I, for one, I'm just super excited for this. Yeah, I, I think, like we said, the schedule is great. I, I, I'm a little bummed because a lot of those teams that you mentioned that, you know, Oakland's on a Wednesday night, Charleston's on a Monday night. There, a lot of these, a lot of these teams that are coming in that we haven't seen, they're going to be hard for me to make that game, um, which really kind of sucks. But uh, I'm going to do what I can. Of course, those are all kind of later in the season other than Loudon and Loudon. I will be able to get to because it's on a Saturday. It's on one of my weeks off or my weekends off call. So that one shouldn't be a problem. I should be able to make that one, but you get looking at the other ones and it's, it gets a little dicey. So I'm a little bummed about that, but um, I'll still watch the game. Obviously, even if I can't make it in person, uh, we'll still have the podcast for you right afterwards or, or shortly afterwards. So, um, I'm just happy to be able to look at it and go like, like to look at a calendar. Like, do you guys remember calendars? Cause, cause they kind of were useless for 2020 cause you couldn't make plans. So it's, Oh, today's my birthday. Oh, I didn't even realize it. Cause you know, everything's been closed for a month, but now I can look at it and go May 28th. Is it May 28th? I forget now, but whatever the freaking date is that we pay Phoenix, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching again. August 28th. August 28th. I knew it was a 28th. Yeah. So August 28th, you know, I I have that in my head. I have it in my phone. I'm going to, I think when I mapped it out, I think I'm on call that weekend, but I might have to switch because I'm desperately going to try to go to that game. Like, I... I I try to make it to an away game of season. Of course, last year I didn't because we couldn't travel, but I made it to Colorado Springs the year before that. I really want to make it to this Phoenix one. Um, maybe an El Paso one, even since I'm, I'm not actually closer to El Paso now, but feels like I am. So I, I just like the schedule. I love it. And I, I think we're in a good group. I think we're going to make a lot of noise. We talked, we've heard coach talking about championships, and cups and that's what they're all about this year and what they're trying to do. And that's, you know, the, you look at year one compared the roster year one compared to the roster we have now. And it's kind of crazy how we've gotten so much better, even with losing Santi and Kevon, you know, I'm bummed that we lost Tony, but you look at the players that have replaced Tony and Ethan Sampson and, um, Ken Akamatsu, and you're like, yeah, these guys are contributing, and those guys really weren't. And whether those guys weren't because coaching or whatever the case may be, are you look at the roster and I start to drool, no matter what. So, um, yeah, I just, I, 
me and Earl talked about it a little bit when we were talking about the first four matches last week. Uh, I just can't wait, dude. Like that May 15th, man, it's going to be, it's going to be insane at the pit or at the lab. Even if, even if it's only 2000, 3000 people. 3,100 is what they're looking at. Yeah. So. And that's, and that's if they go into the green by then. Yeah, so hopefully they can get to the green or turquoise and bump up. But um, they and they did talk about ticket sales just a little bit. So they're going to be slotted into three different groups. Each group will be capped, so that way the first group can't buy all the tickets. So every group has a chance to buy something at least. Uh, so the first group tickets will go on sale sometime in March, and that'll be for the ones that donated their season tickets from 2020. If you donate those tickets to the Somos Unidos Foundation, you will get first dibs on single game tickets this year. And then if you had season tickets and you rolled them over to the 2022 season, um, then you'll get dibs. And then after that, they'll open it to the general public. So hopefully there's enough to go around. I mean, obviously a team that was selling, I think on average 10, 11,000 that first year, 3,000 is not a lot. So they will probably go quickly. But uh, at, le- at least if you didn't have season tickets, you still have a chance to buy some, whether that is a real chance or not, seeing as we sold out preseason games in five minutes. I don't know, but we'll see. So to touch on the tickets, um, I, I had to watch the YouTube video to figure out how that was going to work. Uh, <laughs> just because, I, I mean, for one, I don't care because I'll be there regardless. Um, yeah, we're lucky. Yeah, so I'm not too worried about that. But so I just had to figure out because there was questions on Facebook, whatever, and I like having answers. Um, so the initial wave, I think, is for like seven days. They could. Yeah. So I have, I have the dates buy. here. It's March 30th through April 7th is wave one, April 8th and 9th is wave two, and then April 12th is the beginning of wave three. Yeah, so how it's going to work, though, is as soon as you purchase your tickets, so like in Wave 2, a season ticket holder who just rolled it over, um, as soon as you purchase your ticket, you cannot go back in and buy more tickets. You won't be allowed to. Your code is already inactive. You'll have to wait for general public to go buy more tickets. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, they're only doing... I think I think this first wave is only for the first two games, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's so, three. I think it's three games. Double check. The, basically, they're not selling the game against Charleston. Those aren't on sale yet. Those won't be on sale for a while. Partly because of wanting to make sure everybody gets chances and also so that they can adjust ticket numbers based on you know what our restrictions are. So if they go down to yellow... Or actually, I think they're already in yellow. So if they go down to red, that means none. If it goes up to green, then it like doubles what we what they can sell. If it goes up to turquoise, it's even more. And then who knows? Maybe by the end of the season, we can all be vaccinated or at least mostly, and things can kind of die down, um, and and we can maybe open up at a hundred percent come come August, September, October, somewhere in there. So I. I know that we don't have to deal with ticket sales. Uh, thank goodness, because it would be a stressful situation. Um, but for those of you that are, 
it is going to be tricky. It is going to be kind of a pain in the butt, but, um, you know, we, we've got to keep supporting the team through this. So that way, uh, everybody knows, okay, when it opens back up, it's still going to be held to play at the lab. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. If you had to pick three, if we weren't considered immediate, if we weren't part of, uh, if we didn't have that access to the, to the matches, if you could only pick a handful of handful of matches to try to purchase tickets to, which three would you pick? Earl, let's start with you. Uh, I would, let me pull up my schedule, which is on my, on my screensaver, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, one answer, one answer, no matter who you are, should be May 15th. So can I, can I make it a, an a exception to that? It cannot be May 15th. Sure. Because that one's too obvious. Yeah, that's that one, fine. That's an obvious one. So obviously I would love and I would kill to go to a Charlotte, to the Monday night football Charlotte game. Charleston. Charleston. I mean, sorry. Um, Oakland. And probably one El Paso game. Yeah, I think I think those three are are pretty pretty spot on. For me, I'm going to tweak it a little bit because Monday night and Wednesday nights just aren't realistic for me. So I'm going to stick to just Saturday games. Um, I'm this one might might not count either, but I'm going to say the last game since we can't say the first game. Um, end of the regular season, Dios, Dios de los Muertos night, uh, October 30th against Real Monarchs. Um, that one, that one's a, high on the list for me. I, I do think that the, uh, and El Paso game, one of them, any of them. Um, so for, for this sake, uh, we play them on July 24th and October 14th. I'll go ahead and say July 24th. That's the first time we play them at the lab. Um, I think that'll be an exciting game. And then, you know, my last one, it's just, it's either Hartford, but that's a Wednesday. So not Hartford. So it's Loudon, which is on a Saturday. Um, or it's RGV back in, or all the way back in October. So I would probably end up going with trying to get Loudon just because it's, it's a Saturday. It's a team that we don't normally play. So I can see somebody different. It's Sammy Sergi coming back. It's earlier in the season. Um, so I'm not all backloaded on, on games in October, but you really can't go wrong. I think any of the matches that are, we have at home are going to be fun matches uh, just because of the team that we have and, and the competition that we'll be playing. I wouldn't mind going to a San Antonio match. Um, but I think we only play them on Wednesdays here, which is dumb. Yeah, so we play them twice in New Mexico, and they're both on Wednesdays. So that sucks. I got to backtrack out of the El Paso games. Only okay. because we saw them four times last year. More than four times, a billion times. Uh, but don't you want to boo Yuma in person? Uh, I already got it. Like, we haven't done that since 2019. I already got the chance to do that. Ah, you did. You did. So I already seen El Paso this year. I'm not too worried. Um, I do remember one night of year one. It was in August, I believe, 24th night. 
where I donned a stupid blow up inflatable <laughs> Meow Wolf Knight fucking yes. dinosaur. I saw David Carr on a fucking blow up banana. Dinosaur Earl. So yeah, Meow Wolf Knight first season back. That's <laughs> that's that's also against El Paso FYI. It's actually not. Yeah, it's August 14th, Meow Wolf Night, as New Mexico United host El Paso Locomotive. Oh, I thought that was September. So, yeah, El Paso. Uh, that's the El Paso game I'll take. <laughs> I thought it was September 18th. Uh, so, for me, if I had to pick just three, honestly, it'd be uh, Charleston, Hartford, and Oakland. Something for the fact that they're clubs we haven't seen. And I think to me, that, to me, that's more interesting. I've seen all the other Eastern Conference or Western Conference clubs in person at some point uh, during the first season. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd wonder that. And if I could throw out a fourth, the regular season closer uh, against Real Monarchs, just to be there, you know, for that for that Halloween uh, Halloween match. So those are the ones that I would go with. So if there's if there's a match that an away match that you can travel to say there's no restrictions, money's not an issue, and it can't be Phoenix, where are you going and when? Loose City. San Diego. San Diego all day, baby. San Diego. <laughs> it's freaking San Diego. I don't care about the fact that it's the game. Like it would, It's going to be cool to go to the game and see Landon Donovan on the sideline and uh, hopefully beat the crap out of him. But it's freaking San Diego, man. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm not even worried about seeing Landon Donovan because I've already seen Landon Donovan. I know. You you were there for when he was with the indoor team. Huh? Mm-hmm. So I've seen Landon Donovan. He's a pretty cool guy as it is. Um, San Diego is like my top five places in the world. Yeah, I, I've never been to San Diego proper, but we vacationed in Oceanside the last time we were on vacation which is about 45 minutes north of San Diego. And uh, that whole vibe, man. And yeah. you wouldn't think it fits me being a redneck Republican, but uh, I, f- I freaking love San Diego, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, San Diego is in the top five of my favorite places in the world. But I, I do think that if you, if you were to ask us to rank our top three places to go away game wise, I think we'd all probably have Phoenix, San Diego and Lou city as, as our top three in some order. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Tacoma, but I don't, I don't really, I, I do love Oregon and the Northwest. I've never been to Seattle, but uh, I wouldn't mind going to Tacoma. It's just, you're going up against, those other three clubs in this little competition that we have. And, and it's just not going to happen. And then the other ones, I'll probably go to an El Paso game. Um, I don't know if I'll go on the eighth. I probably won't cause I'll be on call, but, uh, I would like to go to maybe go to the other El Paso game. And then I wouldn't mind going to a San Antonio game, see Harry and, and some other San Antonio fans out there. But, um, for the most part, it's those other three, and it's not even really close. Looking at the schedule, do you think the league did treat the United fairly, or some of these many as as many of the clubs that could fairly in terms of the amount of travel that they have to do? Yes, I mean, if, yeah, okay. I mean, I think so. They do have Tampa Bay versus Phoenix, 
which I think is spot on by the club or by the league. Um, because whoever wins that game, I'm going to crown them as champion of last year uh, since we didn't get to see it last year. Um, and I, But that's a long, that's a long trip for, for Phoenix to make, but I'm not going to cry for Phoenix's travels. Um, I mean, the farthest we have to travel is, you know, loose city mm-hmm. or that and Tacoma are probably fairly even and distance wise. I think loose city is probably farther still, but it's close. Yeah. yeah. We'd have to, we have to look it up just to verify that. But, uh, I mean, look, if you look at the travel for some of the other teams, I mean, you know, Red Bulls two has to go to real monarchs and Sacramento Pittsburgh river hounds have to go to you know, San Antonio and Indy, which isn't too bad. Let's see. Where's the other one? There's another one I saw that was like really bad. SKC has to go to Oakland and LA. Uh, Los Dos has to do Charleston. I mean, fortunately, we didn't get stuck with anything like that. You know, I mean, I think it would have made more sense for for teams like us in the Mountain Division to play those farther on the East Coast. I mean, Phoenix has to play Charlotte and Tampa Bay. You know, like yeah. Do you think a couple, there are a couple teams out there that kind of that are going to have to do more travel than than others in terms of their non-conference matchups? But as a whole, do you think the, the league did a good job of planning these out? I think they did a great job for New Mexico, which is all I really care about. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like obviously we got screwed last year, not because of the league, but because of COVID. Um, and I will also throw out there real quick that Tacoma is farther than Loose City. I I looked it up. Um, By a hundred miles. Uh, yeah, like one hundred and thirty, something like that. Um, but you look at last year on the road, every match. The year before, you mentioned we had a two month hiatus away from the lab, um, and I think this year we have three matches away in a row. Once. And that's it. Um, and I think it takes place over like two and a half weeks. So it's not even three weeks. It's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, it's significantly shorter. I, I, I think they might've done that because of last year. <laughs> and they're like, Hey, these guys were on the road all year last year. Let's, let's cut them a break a little bit, but whatever the reason for it is, I'm happy because we, we don't have to go that long in between home matches that, one of us can, or two of you guys can probably make, um, the team won't have to travel as much or be away as much, I should say. Um, and you know, we, we played Tacoma on a regular year. So going that far is not that big of a deal. Going to, um, Lou city is a little bit farther than Sacramento. And I'm assuming we're flying to these matches, not taking a bus like we did a lot of last year. So really, it's probably like 30 minutes longer to Tacoma than it is Lou City. And that's probably not that big of a deal to them. So so I love it. I love the balance of it. I love the opponents that we have. Um, I think they did a good job of spreading out the four matches that we have against um our group like i don't think we play a club back to back at all like we did last year like you were talking about um so i i I think it sets up well for us to play really well and be well well rested and and do some good things yeah i think the closest we played anyone this year is like two weeks apart uh just going through the schedule so it looks like um 
you know, uh, El Paso at the end of uh, July and then in August. Uh, there's two weeks there, and then yeah, it's just, it's essentially like a month apart each time. Yeah, and then that one trip, that one uh, trip we talked about where there are three match away matches. It's three matches in eight days. Which, I, so yeah, which sucks. Gonna be gone. Yeah, but at least they're home. Like the last one is in El Paso, so they'll they'll be home until the day of that day. So it's not too bad. Yeah, June is going to be busy for the club. There's five matches in June, um, and then uh, July 3rd. So basically six matches in 30 days. Um, so that's going to be a, a tough stretch there. Uh, that's going to be a, an area to watch. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great schedule. The schedule looks fantastic. Uh, I'm super excited for this. I cannot wait uh, to get back out there. Um, I mean, we're going to figure out you know what our availability is to get down to the lab for all these home matches, uh, which of us which of us three can be there uh, who can't and things like that. Uh, that being said, I do want to mention one thing before we move on real quick. Uh, we are looking for uh, other content creators. If you're interested in writing about the club, if you're interested in potentially doing uh, some photography for us, uh, please let us know. We are, uh, we will definitely uh, uh, get in touch with you and, and talk to you about it. Um, I mean, Jacob and Earl do live out of town and they'll be here as much as they possibly can, obviously. Um, but on the chances that they can't, you know, we can always use another body here yeah. uh, in town. And Seth is shite with a camera. So, <laughs> so we, we could really use uh, some photography over there. He at least, he at least owns the camera. <laughs> they, they play seven matches in October. Hmm. So that month is going to be fast and furious, but uh, it's a good mix of home in a way. So I, I think when you, when you try to jam 32 games into a 28 week schedule, um, stuff like that's going to happen. So I'm not super concerned about it, but let's hope that we have a playoff spot locked up before October, uh, just so we can maybe rest some players in, in some of those games. See, but even at that, even if we haven't locked up a spot in October, I'm not too worried because four of those seven games are at home. Two of them are back-to-back, a Wednesday and a Saturday, and then a Sunday we're away at San Diego, home against San Antonio. So, yeah, so I like that final stretch again because four of the seven games. And and it does help that our opponents are – we do start off the month with Lou City and then come right back home and play Hartford and RGV. But it's Hartford and RGV. So I understand that Hartford was a really good club last year. Um, they played in kind of a soft division or group, whatever you want to call it. They played kind of a soft schedule outside of that group. Um, so them making the playoffs might not... It's impressive, but it might not signify that they're as good as we th- as that says they are. Um, plus we have them at home. So welcome to over a mile high, basically. And the altitude here, as we've seen, we've seen almost every player that has come to New Mexico from the East coast has been like, man, the altitude sucks for the first few days. So, um, so I think we have that going for us there. Then we have RGV. Sorry, Ron. I don't even know if you have a whole team right now. I think you have like 11 or 12 players. So, um, 
like our chances there. We do go at San Diego, which is tough. And then we have San Antonio here, which I don't know what San Antonio is going to look like. They're an, an enigma to me. But then we finish with an RGV again and Real Monarchs. So we know what we did to Real Monarchs last year. Um, we know RGV isn't the top tier of the USL. So it's seven games, but I think one, two, three, four of them are against easier opponents. And then we have another one against San Antonio at home. So that should help us out. Realistically, how many points do you think secures us a playoff spot this year? I have no idea, man. Um, It's the top four in the group, right? That's what it looks like. Yeah. So I think if you're just talking playoffs, uh, if you're not wanting to finish like top of the group, I think, I think it could be as low as like 30. Um, Just looking at our group, looking at who could be really good, who could be really bad. I mean, you got RGV, Colorado Springs, and Real Monarchs that might be better than what I'm thinking, but I think those are pretty safe bets to be the bottom three at the moment um, without seeing them on the pitch at all. So I think just finishing above those guys could take as little as 30 points. Um, I'd have to check my math on that, but... Um, maybe I'll say 35, uh, feels a little bit safer to me, a little more than a point per match. Yeah. See, I don't know because I mean, our group is a roller coaster. It's like, yeah, we have RGV, Real Monarchs. Um, and who the hell am I missing? Colorado Springs, El Paso, San Antonio and Austin. So I, I see Colorado Springs, uh, RGV, and and uh, God damn it, fucking me. monarchs. Monarchs. Um, I see them on the bottom of the list, but then I see the top two, either being United and El Paso, or El Paso United, either one of those, or United San Antonio. So if you go back to 2019 eighth place the western conference eighth place in the western conference was 48 points but if you look at just the seven group seven teams that are in our group there you have El Paso at 50 Austin at 48 us at 46, San Antonio at 45, RGV at 41. But there were two extra games that year because we're only playing 32 this year instead of 34. And then you're not beating up on each other in 2019 like you're going to be doing this year because we play everybody multiple times. So um, That and also we don't have Open Cup like El Paso. Yeah. Yeah. So... I I think I think realistically we're looking at sixty points for New Mexico United. Um, I think we'll be right around that two points per game. Um, so sixty, sixty four, sixty eight. Um, which I don't. I'm not going to try to translate that into how many wins that would be, or ties, or draws, or losses, or whatever. Um, just looking at previous years, 
um, your points per game. The, the, the leaders of the pack are usually around two, um, even, even less than that. Like you look at 2019, you had Phoenix at 78 points in 34 games. That's a lot more than two points per game. But then you look at Reno at second place had 60 points. And so maybe I'm a little high at 60 because you don't have very many teams above 60 when we played 34 games. And now we have two games less to make those points. But I still think we finish right around 60. I'll say 58 to 62. Um, and I think that puts us firmly, firmly in first or second in our group. Yeah, I think it's going to take closer to 40, 45 points given the nature of our group. I mean, obviously, I feel like Colorado Springs, Monarchs, and uh, RGV are going to be the bottom three. But I, I think Colorado Springs is going to be improved this season. I think Real is going to be a little bit better. I think the non-conference matchups are going to be super important this year to make sure we get as many points as we possibly can from those, given the nature of of our division. I don't think we're going to miss the playoffs by any means. But if for whatever reason it does come down to how we perform in those non-conference games or non-division games, we have a very tough non-division schedule as we just talked about. Um, so other than Tacoma, Loudon, and Hartford, you know, Charleston's going to be a tough game. San Diego's going to be a tough game. Phoenix is going to be a tough game. Luce City's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, I think the more important games are going to be not so much beating the crap out of the teams in your group, but I think you have to come away with points in as many matches as you can in the group. Um, and preferably three points. If, if we can go two wins, a draw and a loss to El Paso, San Antonio and Austin. If we do that to all three of those, I think we're in because you know that, the other two or the other three games, the RGV Colorado Springs Real Monarchs. Realistically, we should get three wins apiece in those ones. So I think if we take care of business against the three other teams that we're going to be fighting for. We'll be in good shape regardless of what we do uh, against the other non-division groups. So Earl mentioned uh, open cup a, a few minutes ago and I, uh, and we know that El Paso is going to be a part of that. Now, I don't know if you guys caught this, but there was some U.S. Open Cup news that came out just a couple of days ago. We already knew that this season's Open Cup was going to look quite a bit different from previous years due to COVID. They have already made a change, one uh, another change to this year's format. Two days ago, the U.S. Soccer Federation announced that due to travel and logistical complications, the first round, has been, uh, they have decided to cancel it which leaves 16 teams to play for this year's tournament. And they've also changed the MLS entrance or the, the how MLS is going to enter the tournament. So originally they were going to use the, the results from last season. Now every MLS club has the potential to be part of the U.S. Open Cup this year. And it says the top eight USA-based teams in the, per, in the points per game standings after three weekends of regular season play will qualify. Now, that in itself could be a whole mess because, I mean, there's any number of teams that you could end up at 3-0 at three and o, top of the table, you know. 
And if you have more than eight, how it doesn't say what sort of tiebreakers they're going to use. I'm sure they have some sort of formula for that, probably like gold differential or something like that. And then, of course, the USL is going to send El Paso, Lucidi, Phoenix Rising, and Tampa Bay Rowdies, NISA, and USL League One. So NISA, it will send their champion, Detroit City, and USL League One will send Greenville Triumph. And then the from the open division, uh, there will be two clubs from 36 amateur qualifiers. This is just going to be a draw. So you've got a 1-36 in 36 shot if you're one of those teams. So I mean, we've already seen a change, and there could be more changes to come depending on further COVID complications. Uh, but I mean, what do you guys think about those changes there? Do you think that that's a fair way to decide uh, based on three weekends worth of play? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. By far. You have... <laughs> You could end up with, I, I just don't understand how they're doing an open competition for one league. And then everybody else is like, yeah, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going. And then for the bottom, they're just like, yeah, we're going to pick two names out of a hat and send them. Like, what is open about that? I don't understand that at all. And then why why are they pushing it back two weeks and stating COVID as the cause. We've learned that two weeks and COVID doesn't do shit. <laughs> we were supposed to be in a two-week quarantine a year ago, and here we are still. So two weeks isn't going to make a damn bit of difference. So why not just do it how you set it up to do it in the first place? Or just don't do it at all. It, I'm not upset about who they're sending from the lower league teams, really. Uh, if you're going to do eight teams... What would have been really interesting to me, which I just checked to make sure, but so it just so happens that the four semifinalists or the four, yeah, so the Western Conference Championship game and the Eastern Conference Championship game, all four of those won their group. But it would have been interesting to see what they did had had it been like Charlotte or Charleston, somebody that finished second in their group, made it to the final four if they would have been like, yeah, so these eight teams that won these groups are the ones that are going. Oh, well, we're going to actually cut it in half now, a month before we're going to start this thing, and we're going to go with the four last four standing in the playoffs. So Charleston, I mean, let me get my teams right here because I just had it pulled up. Yeah, so Tampa Bay, you didn't make it. Charleston made it ahead of you. So even though you won your group and you thought you were going to be in it until today, we're going to switch and put Charleston in there. So luckily they didn't have to deal with that, but it's all just dumb. It, they might as well just put all the names on a board and throw darts at it for three weeks. Is such a small sample size. You're going to get teams out of nowhere that are just like, yeah, we, we got hot. We started an easy schedule. And so we're going to make it. And then you're going to have teams like maybe LAFC, who's obviously one of the better teams in the league. And maybe they stumble out of the block and go one, one and one and don't make it. It's just, I don't understand it whatsoever. It's incredibly dumb to use such a small sample size to pick who goes. It's incredibly dumb that they're doing such a small field. It's 16 teams guys, 16 out of what'd you say? 30, 32 in the lowest league, probably another 30 in the, the, two league two teams or league one teams. I mean, then you have 31 teams in the championship and like 20 some teams in 
in MLS. So you probably have like a hundred teams and you're going to go with 16 and you're going to get to those 16 in a variety of different ways that none of them really make sense. In 2019, there were 84 teams that participated in the U S open cup proper. Okay. So 84 to 16. See, and so I'm not against the whole three week, whatever, um, I wish it was a little bit longer than more than three weeks because, like, LAFC, I do believe, opened the doors with uh, LA Galaxy, if I'm not wrong. Um, I know Atlanta has a really, really tough opening season, uh, open of the season. Um, so for that to to be the, the be-all is, okay, whatever. But why not do that with all the leagues instead of, oh, we're going to tie your shoe this way, but we're going to tie your shoe this way. We're going to teach you how to write cursive yeah. with a pencil, but now you're going to write cursive with a pen in this other school. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you mentioned you know Atlanta and LAFC. Atlanta opens with Orlando, Chicago, and I'm trying to pull up their, the third team, their third match there. Um it looks to be uh, New England Revs. So, I mean, not a terrible schedule for Atlanta in their opening three. Uh, LAFC opens with, uh, it appears to be uh, Houston in their third match, Austin in their opener, and then uh, LA Ga- uh, Seattle in their second match. So, I mean, not, I mean, Seattle's going to be tough for them. I don't know how Austin SC is going to play. Um, Houston, they, I don't think they were great last season, but I, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, you could have teams like, you know, Atlanta, like Seattle, like LAFC, you know, f- go fluky, you know, for, for the first three matches and, and lose two, lose or draw two or something like, or go one, one, one and not make it. And then have some team like, you know, FC Cincinnati somehow, you know, going two Oh and one or something, which I don't think is going to happen, but you know, you could put FC Cincinnati in there. They most likely lose to a USL championship team, but then you get uh, FC Dallas or Colorado Rapids who have already lost to a USL team. Yeah. I don't know. I saw a lot on Twitter of, of people just saying to cancel it and this and that and the other. And look, I get wanting to have the tournament, but you have to balance wanting to have the tournament with the integrity of the tournament and it being a U.S. Open Cup. Um, at what point does it not become an Open Cup to them? So I, I'm frustrated by it, but at the end of the day, for us, for me, and anyways, it doesn't really matter because we're not in it. We weren't going to be in it this year anyways. So... I'm not super upset. It's not like we were going to be in it and then they cut it to four and now we're not. So if you're Sacramento, maybe you're upset. If you're San Antonio, maybe you're upset. You know, if you're one of these other, the other two Eastern conference teams that were going to be in it and now aren't, maybe you're upset. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do? It's wait till next year when it's actually an open cup again, and then try to make your run there. And for like somebody like us, I know Devin was upset about not making it, and I get that. But 
at the end of the day, they did what they thought was the fairest when it was going to be eight, and now when it, that it's going to be four. And I kind of agree that it was the fairest. And I'm kind of happy that we don't have to worry about making a U.S. Open Cup run, and we can focus on the league. And we had our magic moment. We we got all the way to the quarterfinals. We got our ass kicked by Minnesota, but it was still an awesome moment for us. It got us tons of recognition. It probably got us some of these signings that we have now. So it was a good thing. Take a couple years off where we don't need it. And then next year when it's actually an open cup again, try to make another deep run. Try to get more publicity. Try to get a trophy. You know, try to get a CCL spot. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. A lot of great stuff going on. A lot of big news around the USL, around U.S. sports. And, uh, I, you know, we're all three of us here. I think I can safely say that we're all excited for what's going to come up in the next few months, uh, both with uh, New Mexico United USL season and then on to the fall with the NFL. Um, so unless you guys have any closing thoughts, Jacob, let's get it out of here. Yeah, I got I've got one uh, or a couple real quick. Uh, we did have a preseason match. It was closed and there was no live stream. Uh, I followed the play-by-play that was being tweeted out by New Mexico United and over on the Colorado Rapids blog. And it's kind of funny if you read the two at the same time, you kind of get the whole picture of what the match was. Because if you just read New Mexico United, they're just posting New Mexico United highlights, right? They're just like, yeah, this happened, this happened, unless it's a Colorado goal. And then Colorado is just posting the Colorado highlights. Well, I will say that we had a couple of good chances from what I saw and read. But Colorado had a lot of chances from what I saw or read. And the defense held up, only gave up the one goal. Uh, Phillip, Big Phil, stopped another penalty. Uh, So that's two in two preseason games. That's helping his case to be the starter for sure. Um, and, and we're not going to be able to take a whole lot away because I'm just reading words, but it looks like the defense got bombarded and held their own. Looks like Philip held his own. Um, the offense could have used a little more juice, but you're going up against a, a really good MLS. Well, not a really good, but a an MLS squad that was, for whatever reason, just a little bit better than us tonight instead of two years ago in the Open Cup. But... Um, I still think there were positives to take away from it. And, and I think, uh, this coming Saturday, they play in San Diego. Uh, I don't believe there's a live stream still, but, um, there's going to be more preseason matches. We got two more coming up in New Mexico next month. Uh, I will be at one of them, uh, God willing. So we haven't forgot about the preseason. There's still some stuff that we're going to be able to learn from the preseason. It's just hard when you can't watch the matches and you have to read them and see little clips and highlights. Cause they did show some highlights and there was one where Amando had a fantastic chance and just couldn't bury it. So, uh, I think, I think the goal scoring will come. I think you'll see a preseason match where we put up three or four goals. Um, so I'm not super worried about that. Remember, this is only like the fifth week that the guys have been together. And some of them just got there right before the El Paso preseason match. So, And we're missing Azira still because he's still uh, competing over in Uganda. So we're far from what we're going to be during the regular season. But I did want to just touch on preseason ever so slightly because it is still going on. And there are still some things to, to glean from it, uh, even if we can't watch the games. 
Anything else, Earl? Yeah, nothing nothing match-wise. Um, my closing thought is we're that close to the start of a season. My only reason is that you guys stay safe, stay healthy. Obviously, if you don't feel good, don't go out. Don't spread a virus that should be done by now. And we will see you in a couple, about a month from now, a month and a half from now. No, I'm good. All right, guys. Uh, I I second what Earl said um, selfishly because I want to see uh, green for Bernalillo County come May 15th. So guys, do what you got to do to make that happen. Um, everybody else that's not in Bernalillo County, just do it for your health and your safety and the safety of your loved ones. I think we've all... Um, well, I, I know that we, my family lost somebody directly to COVID, but I know that your guys' family lost people during this time. I, I know, was it COVID Earl? Yep. Okay. I'm getting the, the nod. I, um, so just, just be careful guys. Um, look, I know, I know that some of the restrictions rub people the wrong way and I get it. I do. I've. I've been very frustrated with stuff as well, but uh, I can we can see the finish line, so we think. So let's just put our heads down, sprint towards the finish line, get through this, um, get back to filling the lab with 12,000, 15,000 people, um, and having a good time because that's what I think we all need and we all want. So with that being said, we will, I assume, be back next week. I assume we're just going weekly from here on out. Um, with the, the season ramping up, we will be having season previews um, coming up as it gets a little bit closer, I imagine, both written and here on the podcast. Uh, we haven't actually planned what we're going to do there, but we'll, we'll get that figured out, and I'm sure they're coming. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, be ready to buy your tickets here March 30th, which is tomorrow. Holy, oh no, March. Th- so they're on sale. Tickets are on sale. Guys, I just now snapped at this. Uh, tickets for the first match, if you donated your tickets from 2020 to the Somos Unidos Foundation, you can buy your tickets now, apparently. They'll be sending out emails, so keep an eye out for that. And for those of you that aren't or, or didn't, just just keep looking out. Let's let's sell out whatever we can sell out. Um, I don't care if it's 3000 or 30000 uh, I want sellouts um, for the rest of New Mexico United history so that we can continue to keep them afloat and they won't go under. So again, we'll be back next week. We'll have something for you. Maybe we'll start some preseason uh, or prediction stuff and, and looking season preview stuff uh, starting next week. Now that we have a schedule and it feels real uh, and to quote uh, a Seinfeld uh, episode, it's to paraphrase a quote from Seinfeld, it's real and it's spectacular. So um, apparently neither of my coworker co-hosts here watch Seinfeld cause they just looked at me like I'm freaking crazy. So, um, That's she has fake boob. Well, they, they think that she has fake boobs. She finds out that they're talking about her fake boobs and she comes back in and says they're real and they're spectacular and shows them off and then walks away like a boss. So, um, bottom line, 
next week. Also, catch us on social media. Um, we've been doing some some good stuff on Facebook. Um, we got the Twitter going. We got the Instagram going. Uh, so Somos Mas NM on all three of those platforms. Uh, and then you can always find us personally and everything and message us, rate and review, all the same jazz that I finished up with every week. Uh, just keep doing it or start doing it if you haven't done it already. And until next week, guys, it's almost the news. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news on New Mexico United and weekly discussions about the sports world at large. All shows are recorded live from New Mexico using Zencaster and are edited using Audacity. Each and every show is produced and edited by Seth Bedoff and Jacob Terrell 